There's no safer place. There's no, there's no place we'd rather be. Oh, we thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> wow, we. How good is God? Whoa. I mean, really. Next level. <laughs> mm. I've got a little thought to share with you uh, in a couple of verses uh, as we hear about our offering this morning. Um, the, the first verse is in uh, Psalm 119. which is just beautiful. So if you want to turn there, if you've got your Bible. Uh, we're going to go to verse 109. Now, it doesn't actually say who, who wrote Psalm 109, but um, there's a fair evidence to say David wrote it, so I'll just go with that. Um, Psalm 119 and verse 109 says, Even though my life hangs in the balance, I'll keep following what you've taught me no matter what. The ungodly have done their best to throw me off track, but I'll not deviate from what you've told me to do. Everything you speak to me is like joyous treasure, filling my life with gladness. I have determined in my heart to obey whatever you say fully and forever. You know, this statement that the writer is making is a resolution, something that they've... that. Um, has been a, a line drawn in the sand at one point in their life. And it's one that needs to be made over and over again. You know, what, what has the Lord's been impressing upon my, my heart and, and walking me through is the, the actual fact that life is really hard. Life is hard. <laughs> life is hard. And I don't think... The modern church, and it's definitely not my, been my experience that I have been taught how, how to do life when it's hard, how to suffer well. <laughs> it's not a topic that we really like to dwell on. <laughs> but it turns out that it's actually really, really important. It's really, really important. And it's a pivotal part of our journey and our work, walk with the Lord. Because there are things that the Lord has for us. There are things that the Lord wants to build in us that cannot be done in a place of comfort, in a place of peace. There's just some things that can only be received, can only be built when we're in the face of something really hard. And that's where I think this resolution comes into place so powerfully. David says that even though my life hangs in the balance, my whole life is 
feels like it's on the edge. I'll keep following what you've taught me, no matter what. There is, Steve spoke about it in, in his vision this morning about the foundation. What is your foundation? You know, if, you, if you're on sand, man, it falls away quick. It doesn't take, you know, as Steve said, it takes a little gentle wash of a wave to take that away, let alone a storm. <laughs> Let's not even talk about storms. It only takes just a tiny little thing to just wash that away. But can we have our, our resolution be this? That no matter what I have decided, that I'm going to keep following what you've told me to do. No matter what. And um, I don't want you to get confused here that there's a... There's an apprehension, I think, when, we, when anyone hears or talks about something being hard or, or uh, suffering, that, uh, that you have to, you know, your image of walking through that is you've got like, uh, if we're going to use some biblical terms, you've got like sackcloth and ashes on you and you're just like wallowing in sorrow and despair. That's not what, that's not what suffering with the Lord looks like. He... he um, he reminded me, there's just, man, you, you pick one instance of the Lord showing up and doing something powerful. And I tell you, there's very few instances where it's not when that person is in deep distress or in a really bad spot. He reminded me of, um, of Peter walking on water, one of the greatest miracles, recorded miracles in that man's life. It wasn't when the ocean was calm it wasn't when he was feeling at peace it wasn't when uh when he could see jesus clearly they didn't even know who it was he said he he called out to him and said if it's you tell me to come and while his attention was focused on jesus the waves were still there the, the wind was still there the storm was still going he was walking on water and it was only when he took his eyes off Jesus that he began to experience the, the danger, the weight, the, the fear of the things that were going on around him. They were still constant in both when he was sinking and when he was walking. Um, I believe that's why we read in, in James 1, the counted all joy when we fall into various trials. You know, man, the, that, that passage doesn't become real until you've walked through some trials. You go, Lord, how is that even possible? And the, the beauty of it is that it's not, it's not possible just with you. You can't, you can't do that alone. That's not natural. That is only, that is supernatural. That is only possible with a connection and a, and a resolution that says, Lord, I'm hanging on to you no matter what. Um, let's just read that in, uh, in James 1 and verse 2. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. <laughs> he says, my fellow believers, when it seems 
as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as you in, your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. I don't know about you, but that sounds like an integral part of our walk as Christians. <laughs> the trials, the testing. But that the Lord has something... Uh, has an experience of that time and those those things that he wants to bring us into that is not wallowing, despair, destruction, pain, heartache. Those things will still be there, right? But it's through the connection with him that we're able to walk out and willingly go uh, have a perspective of thank the Lord. Finally, I get some testing. Because I don't know who I am. I don't know what I believe until it's tested. And man, I don't know about you, but I want that. I want to step into that. Uh, as, as it says in the word, from glory to glory, I want to be continually on a journey of stepping into the perfection that he wants to, <laughs> he's working out inside me. I want that. More than comfort. More than being comfortable. Um, you, this is something that I, I feel like I really want to I want to preach on this <laughs> and I reckon I will I think that it's the Lord that uh, something that the Lord is is bringing the global church into is an understanding of how to walk out suffering with him so that it is uh, what he wants it to be the, a part that a part of life that is going to build and grow you and, and be able to uh, to endure with him but when we think about offerings <laughs> what has this got to do with our offering um, we go back to David's resolution here. He, he says, um, I've determined in my heart to obey whatever you say fully and forever in verse 112. I, I determine in my heart to obey everything that you say. Obedience. We know that when, we, when we're talking about tithes and offerings, what the Lord has told us is to bring the tithes into the storehouse. That's his instruction. And our, our opportunity and obedience is to do that no matter what. To follow what he's asked us to do no matter what. Um, I was uh, reminded of, of an instance in the word where, uh, where a gift, Jesus highlighted a gift that someone gave and taught the disciples a lesson about what is valuable. What is valuable to him? What draws his attention when it comes to giving? And it was, it was the widow who gave two small copper coins in the midst of, you know, 
It says rich men bringing large sums of money that meant nothing to them. But this widow brought two copper coins and it meant everything to her because it was all she had. She was in a really rough time. We can, we can guess from that, that instance that the Lord Jesus is saying that that's all she's got to live on. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty rough time. And I'm not saying that that's the model that we have to give. I'm not saying uh, gather up everything you have and make sure that you put yourself in a situation where you, you really, uh, you're really in a desperate, dire strait. But what I am saying that this is a, this is a model <laughs> for what attracts the Father's heart. She gave something that really cost her something. She gave something out of a place of faith and I believe that she had trust in the Lord to do that she trusted that the Lord would look after her she had a resolution like David I will hold on to you because you are my source not anything else wow that's what draw Jesus' attention that's the kind of gift and the kind of attitude that we want to have, that I want to have in a really rough time. I'm holding on to you, Lord. I will do whatever you ask me to do. And that's a question we've got to all ask of the Lord ourselves. Lord, it's not about the amount. It's not about anything else. It is about our connection to the Lord and asking him, Lord, tell me. I want to obey everything you've told me to do, so tell me. I'm listening. Lord, what do you want me to do? So that's my prayer um, for us this morning, is that we would, we would trust the Lord and we would say, Lord, what do you want me to give? Because <laughs> you, are, you are my source. You are what holds me in tough times. So, Lord, I trust you and I will obey everything that you ask me to do. All right, so let's put our faith to work in our giving this morning. There we have actually a slide that has the details. It's revolutionary for any of you who haven't been around for a little while. It's like, how do you give? I don't know. How do you, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but... Chris, if you if you would put it up there, there, that's how you can give digitally. If that is uh, that is how how you do it, but let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you are our rock, that you are our firm foundation, that you are in charge, and that we get the opportunity to hold on to you. And be steadfast no matter what is happening in life, no matter what trials, no, more, no matter what challenges are happening. Lord, that if we hold, hold fast to you, that you will lead us through, that you'll build us up, that you will work all things together for good because we love you. Lord, we thank you and we trust you. We trust you no matter what. Amen. it over to the one and only.
pass to Tim Maxwell. Try that again. speak a little bit this morning about um, knowing the truth knowing the truth do we know the truth you know Pilate um, when Jesus was being uh, leading up to his crucifixion um, he had the question what is truth he was presented with truth he said what is truth what is truth? You know, if we've got truth in our heart, then God can do whatever he wants to do. But the heart's an interesting, interesting topic, isn't it? The heart of man. You know, our, our spirit and our soul, that, that central part of who we are. It says in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? I'll read again. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And we think, yuck, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound very um, encouraging. <laughs> Do we want to be rewarded for the fruit of our doings? <laughs> that's the problem area. The problem area is our heart. But that's exactly the place that Jesus goes to he wants our heart why because you go to the area of the greatest need he goes to the area where the problem originates where it's centred because he wants to be the centre you know David uh, wrote in Psalm 51 behold you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom He's talking about the heart, our very being, our very heart. And if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 51. Now this psalm, interesting about this psalm, it, um, it gives a, 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 a context of when or why this was written. And it says it's a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet... <laughs> I went to him. <laughs> and we know the story after he'd gone into Bathsheba. David's greatest sin. 
And David wrote this psalm. That was, that was probably one of the hardest times of his life, as, as, as Caleb was saying. But you know, what's in our how do we know what's in our heart? How do we know what's in our heart until it's revealed? That's the thing. And sometimes it takes those situations where our heart is revealed and then God can do something about it or we can make the choice to allow him to do something about the, that situation. So in verse 6, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. And his cry to God is to be clean again. This situation is there, but his, his, his heart's desire is to be clean before God again. And verse 10, <laughs> he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And that's the only way we get a clean heart. The only way we get a clean heart is Jesus resides there and he is able to make those adjustments as we cooperate with him. He won't do it, he won't do it without our cooperation. So God's purpose is to go right to the heart of the problem. That's where he wants to be. He wants to be where the issues originate. Now once once our, our spirit is connected to his, we ask Jesus to come into our heart, our spirit is renewed, it's, it's regenerated, then he goes after our mind. That's our thoughts, how we think. And we know in Romans 12 verse 2, he wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that's to the word of God, our thinking to line up um, with what he says. And Jesus in, in John 8.32 said, you, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You'll know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So there's three words in the, in the New Testament that are all translated truth in Scripture. One simply means truth. One means true, as in not concealed, you know we can we can tell half truths, can't we? Yeah, we've 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 all done that. We tell a little bit of the truth, but not the whole truth, because that bit of the truth's going to get us in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And the other one is to speak or tell the truth. They're all translated truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So question just like Pilate what is what is truth well Jesus is truth yes Jesus is the truth but what about the life that we're living what about everything that we have is, is everything that is around us is it true is it based on truth or do are we just living in a an environment in a society in a world where there are a lot of things that aren't true. There are a lot of things that 
are concealed because the actual truth would just be too confronting. And that is the reality of the, of the, of the world that we live in. And look, there's so many things that you could, you could talk about that, that is, it, is it true? Is it, you know, what, what's, the, what's the basis of, the, of, of what, what we live in? So trust and truth are really, really closely linked. Trust and truth. Why do I trust something? Because I believe that it is true. That make sense? I trust something because I believe that there is truth in it. So what happens if what we have trusted in because we've believed that it was true, it had truth as its basis, what happens when we find that what we thought was true is a lie or is not what we thought it was? What do we do with that? You know, the Bible talks about the, the, the shaking, and the shaking's happening right now. The shaking is happening in, right now in institutions and, and, and structures all over the planet, in churches everywhere. Things are shaking, and things are being revealed that we thought were true, that we trusted in, that we think, oh, hang on, that's not, that's not. And the Bible says that everything will be shaken so that, that only that which cannot be shaken will remain. And we've already heard about the, you know, if we're standing on a, a, a foundation of sand or we're building something on a foundation of sand, it will not stand. It will not, it will not be able to cope with the, the storms. What about the nation that we live in? The Commonwealth of Australia. What do you know about the Commonwealth of Australia? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a government. Yeah, it's based on you know, what we got from, from England and all the rest of that. And, you know, there's houses of parliament and yada, 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 yada. And, and the government is set there in place because we elect them and, um, and, and they're there to do us good. So we trust. There's a few giggles in the room. What's going on there? I don't understand. The Commonwealth of Australia. This was a... This was a letter written to, uh, uh, to the government um, and it was asking for a, a, you know, the freedom of information, blah, 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 thing. And it was written by a gentleman. And it's, dear Department of the Prime Minister and Cabinet, I know that it is my duty to keep you informed of my will on anything that comes before Parliament or should come before Parliament. It is my will that you provide me with evidence that the corporation registered in the United States of America as the Commonwealth of Australia is the same organisation as the Commonwealth of Australia, which is authorised in the Commonwealth of Australia Constitution by the Queen of England and her successors. And he goes on. 
Did, did you know that, that Australia is registered in America as a corporation? Did we know that? Well, this gentleman did, and he's asking for a show cause from the government as to, is that correct? And he did get a reply. And he's, he was asking for a referendum on this, and um, et cetera, et cetera. He did get a reply. And the reply was, the statutory time frame for processing a request is 30 days from the date upon which your application was received by the department, except in certain circumstances, in which case we will notify you of the time extension. It is the department's policy to withhold names and contact details of junior officers within the department and other agencies who contain within the documents that fall within the scope of the request. The names and details of senior department staff would not be withheld unless there were some reason for that information to be exempt from release. If you require the names and contact details of junior officers, please let us know at request email blah 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 for the decision maker to consider. Otherwise, we will take it that you agree that the information being excluded from the scope of your request. Exactly. In accordance with the government's pro, pro Disclosure policy agencies are required to publish information which has been released under the freedom of information on which agencies disclose logs. If you wish to raise any objections to the publication of any of the documents which may be released to you, please contact the department by email. Supporting uh, reasons for any objections would be appreciated. Agencies may decide that an applicant is liable to pay a charge in, request to a, in respect of a request to access to documents. If the department decides that you are liable to pay charges, you will forward a preliminary assessment of charges to you as soon as possible. The department will write to you again when we have further information. Otherwise, further information on freedom of information processing can be found at the website of the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner at blah, 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 blah. That request was made in 2013 and um, it wasn't replied to. Well, he hasn't got a yes, he hasn't got a yes or no. Gobbledygook gobbledygook. So Australia was registered as a corporation in America in 1973. Good on you, Goff. Yeah. What's, what does a corporation, what is a corporation set up to do? Make money. Who does a corporation make money for? Shareholders. Guess what? We're not the shareholders. We're the people that money is made from. Interesting, isn't it? In 1986, um, there was the Australia Act. Good on you, Bob. That was another step in this process. In 1991, for those who are old enough to remember, remember the recession that we had to have? Yeah. Thank you, Paul. At that point, um, Mr Keating, in all his wisdom, um, floated the Australian dollar on the American Stock Exchange. 
that devalued the uh, currency in Australia. Um, it helped the um, uh, strength of the currency in America, and we had a recession. That's when interest rates went to 18 percent. Yeah. Interesting. So, you know, there's um, that 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 thing in itself is is really interesting because you 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 jump on the internet and and um, you can pose that question, and you'll get a lot of the fact checkers. <laughs> Australia is not a corporation. Well, actually, it's 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 there. We are a corporation. We've got it's like a parallel government. So. Is there truth in government? Or not? Can we trust what is not true? So many things, so many things that are going to be revealed in our time. And if we've got our trust in something that's not true, that's not based in truth, we're going to be floundering. We are going to be floundering because it's like the, the rug's going to be pulled from, from, from underneath us if our trust and our confidence is in different institutions or, or what they might be able to do for us. <laughs> it's the word of God. It is the truth that we need to be founded upon. So you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That word free means unrestrained, at liberty. Unrestrained. And, and, and you know, you think about that word unrestrained, you think, oh, hang on, unrestrained? Oh, no, bad things will happen if there's no re restraint, if, you, if something is unrestrained. And, and I use my, um, my, my dog at home as an example. We, we've got three and a half acres, okay? We've got a fence around the outside. And she lives in that space most of the time. Um, unrestrained. She has the freedom on a hot day, she will just go and hop in the dam, cool off, come and shake on anybody who's close. And later on, she'll do the same. She can go and see if she can sniff out a, a bunny or, or, or whatever. Um, she's, got, she's got the whole place. It's hers. She roams and she's free. She's not on a chain. She's unrestrained. She lives in that space. And you say, well, what about the fence? That's stopping her from, from, from getting out. Absolutely it is. Well, most of the time. <laughs> Um, most of the time it does, um, because we had um, we had a little dog years and years ago. Um, Wilma, put your fingers in yours. Um, we had a, a little dog years ago, and unfortunately, that little dog got out onto the road, and it was only a little dog. Um, um, she was a metre long when I took her off the um, off the bitumen. Um, she was outside of where she should have been and it wasn't safe. It wasn't safe. 
and you know people look at, at, at the word of God and, and, and they say well that's a you know that's that's restricting me no no it's giving you liberty it's giving you liberty because God puts in his word those things that we okay we don't go there because that is so unsafe we don't do those things because that will be a detriment or that will be potentially life threatening and that's the mercy of God we see that in the garden of Eden Adam and Eve were unrestrained they had they had liberty they had complete liberty they had one one thing do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was one thing. One thing. And you know, Adam, Adam had a role. His, his role, his role actually was to, to keep the garden. And that means, that word keep means to guard. He was to guard it. And my dog at home, she guards our place. <laughs> we don't have any trouble with foxes with the chooks. Okay, it would be a silly, silly fox that came into our yard. <laughs> it would be eaten. <laughs> Adam's job was to guard the garden. But he had, he had the liberty. Adam and Eve had the liberty of the, of the entire place. So get this connection, please. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way to receive truth that will bring you into that unrestrained life, that liberty of living as God has designed for us. So you shall know the truth. Jesus is the truth and Jesus is the word. So 1 John, sorry, not 1 John, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So Jesus is the truth. He is the word made flesh. So as we know the truth, that is Jesus and we speak the truth, which is his word, we shall be set free. It's so important. We, we, can, we can have this intellectual or, 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 or even a hard experience of, of, of accepting Jesus Christ, but then not walking in the truth. We've accepted the truth, but we don't walk in the truth. You know, there was a, a, a time, I don't know if they, they still do it, but if you, if you, were, in, if you were giving evidence in a, in, a, in a courtroom, you know, hand on the Bible, and it was, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. 
I don't know if they still do that. I think they, I think they may have made some adjustments there. But this is the truth. Swearing on the truth, to tell the truth. What would our lives be like if we only spoke the truth, if truth was the only thing that came out of our mouths? What would our lives be like? You think, what, what, do you, well, what do you mean? Well, how about this? Can you imagine Jesus saying, after a long day of ministry, oh, my back is killing me. Can you imagine Jesus saying that? No. That, those words, I can guarantee you those words would never come out of his mouth. Can you imagine Jesus saying, I am sick and tired of those blinking Pharisees. I am. How, how often do we put I am and then something that is, wow. Do we, do we want that? I am sick and tired. Do you, want, do you want to be sick and tired? Do you want that? I am? No. What do we say? Well, sometimes we just speak through ignorance. Nobody's ever presented that to us. Or it's just carelessness. Carelessness mostly, I think. When we say what he says, the Bible says that we've got angels ready listening for the voice of his word. And if it's our words, but it's his word, <laughs> we've got angels ready to perform. What does that mean? Well, We've got to, got to guard our heart. We've got to guard our heart um, for what comes in because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we've got to guard what's coming in because what's coming in is what's coming out and what's coming out is going to have an effect for either a positive or a negative. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So we can speak life or we can speak the other and and that's that's ours to um that's ours to control if you got your oh well you can have a look in acts chapter 19 i'm going to read this um, story out of the passion translation because you think you know somebody might say well you know I, I know a bit of the word so um, and that's good. The more word we, we, we get into our heart, the more, um, the, more the Holy Spirit has, has to work with. But this is a story. Um, it's uh, Acts chapter 19. And um, it was um, during one of Paul's missionary journeys. And I'm just going to read from verse 11 out of the Passion. It says, God kept releasing a flow of extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. Because of this, people took Paul's handkerchiefs and articles of clothing, even pieces of cloth that had touched his skin, <laughs> laying them on the bodies of the sick and diseases and demons left them and they were healed. That's powerful stuff. That is powerful stuff. It says extraordinary 
miracles, extraordinary. You think, oh wow. Now, um, I've, I've read of, um, of, uh, of different accounts of, of where these cloths, now, you think a, a handkerchief, okay, that's, um, that's a nice, clean, fresh one. So, um, yep, nothing on that one. Um, <laughs> but these, these handkerchiefs or cloths or aprons that I'm talking about here, Paul was a, was a worker. He, he worked. He worked hard. Um, and uh, he was a tent maker. And um, different portions of scripture tell us that uh, that there were times where he would he was working manually hard and um, creating a, an income and he was funding his own ministry at times through through that work. Um, so these cloths would have had his sweat on them. Well, if Jesus can spit and make mud and heal someone's eyes, you know, that's even gross. Um, so these, actually, these cloths actually had part of him in them. All right? It was, it was, it had touched his body, but part of what he was was in these. And extraordinary, extraordinary miracles. But then it goes on. Now there were seven itinerant Jewish exorcists, sons of Sceva the high priest, who took it upon themselves to use the name and authority of Jesus over those who were, who were demonized. They would say, we cast you out in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches. Now, why were they doing this? Maybe they had seen the results of what of Paul's ministry um, I think they either saw it or they heard about it now th these were Jewish exodists uh, uh, exorcists, exodists exorcists for them, for them to even be there they may or must have had some sort of success in some measure with dealing with um, with evil um, spirits um, if you if you research it, um, you, you'll you'll find that um, their success was limited, and there were certain things that they just couldn't 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 do. But they thought, okay, this seems to be working. We'll give that a try. Yeah. One day, when they said those words, the demon in the man replied. I know about Jesus and I recognise Paul but who do you think you are? In the spirit world spirits recognise spirits. You know when Jesus came there's plenty of instances when Jesus came the demons recognised him and they, they were very fearful spirit recognises spirit and this spirit looked at these people and they said nothing doing I don't know who you are because you don't know who you are <laughs> you haven't got the goods 
Then the demonised man jumped on them and threw them to the ground, beating them mercilessly, overpowering the seven exorcists until they all ran out of the house naked and badly injured or badly bruised. So it's not a formula. Jesus' name is not a formula. The truth is not a formula. It's built through relationship. It's built through accepting him initially. That's our initial point. Accepting what he has done on the cross to save us from our sins, to make us right with God. And that's the starting point. That's the starting point of a relationship that has no bounds. (laughs) A relationship that we can live at liberty within his framework sure absolutely but do you know and I was was thinking uh, uh, about this if we have the love of Jesus as our guiding light and Jesus was asked which is the greatest commandment he said well love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your strength and all your mind um, and and love your neighbour as yourself and then he and then towards the time where he was crucified he told his disciples a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you (laughs) if those things are in our heart do you realise that laws are superfluous laws are actually superfluous because we will never harm another in word or action so sure yep we've, we know what God says and that keeps us <laughs> while he's doing the work in our heart and, you know, as that work in our heart develops and strengthens and we know the truth, we know Jesus, then all those, those things, are they're, they're there, but they're, they're not something to restrain them or whatever. It's, yeah. And, you know, Paul's, the cry of Paul's heart, you think, well, Paul, look, you were doing this stuff. How, how amazing. Do you know the cry of Paul's heart? It's found in Philippians 3.10. He says that I may know him. <laughs> that was the cry of his heart. And he says in, in that passage, I'm, I'm not there yet. I haven't, I haven't reached where God wants to take me yet, but I'm pressing on. I'm heading in that direction. For somebody to be doing this these things you think wow you must be there he said no I'm not there because there's still more there's still more I still want to know him more intimately (laughs) and and look you know for some that might that might seem well that's a bit wishy-washy no it's not it's it's the God of the universe that we get to we get to be Intimate in our in our in our knowledge, it's, it goes far beyond knowledge. It's it's our, our relationship with. 
And as that's our heart's desire, God looks at that heart. God's always looking at the heart. If that's what we want, that's what he will give us as we press into him. How do we press in? It's our, it's our worship. It's our opening our heart and worship before him. Sure, it's knowing what God has said because this word is truth. This word is truth. And it's being hungry for his word. And then, as, as that's our heart's desire, he will lead us by his Holy Spirit. What to say, what to do, all those things. And you know, one of the promises in, in, um, in Scripture, <laughs> one of the things it says that it's, it's there, that those who desire to live godly in Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. That's what Caleb was touching on. Don't expect, that we, we do have an enemy. Don't expect that he's going to be happy with, with any decision you make to come closer to God and to be led and directed by him. But God's doing work in that too. We've already heard that this morning. God is doing a work in that. That we will be able to stand strong on the truth when all other truths, all other things that we might have put our trust in are just coming to nothing, falling apart. And, you know, there are, there are numerous things that are coming to nothing, starting to, to fall apart in the society that we live in right now. Because truth is being, what's it say? One of the words? True, as not concealed. Well, there's a lot of stuff that is being uncovered that is truth, that is challenging the, the, the lies that are there. And, uh, and, and as that happens, and it, it's going to, it's, it's, it's starting to come out more and more. And it's, you know, I've, I've uh, said it before, you know, you've, you've, got a, you've got a damn wall and you've got a, uh, a body of water behind it. Okay, uh, it might start as a little leak, um, but it accelerates. Once there's a leak, once some truth starts to come out, the truth actually makes its own passage. The truth actually, the, the water, <laughs> the water of the word, the water actually makes that, that hole bigger over time to the point where the dam can't hold the water back. The lies can't hold the truth back. And then bang. So when that happens, we want to be in a position where we're not trusting in anything other than who is the truth. And that's Jesus and what he says is truth. Because if we've got our confidence and our trust and our faith in anything else, when those things go, we flounder. But we are not those people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So my encouragement is to press in to know who Jesus is, to know the truth. And, you know, I've been a Christian for a number of decades and some of you have been Christians for many, many more decades. Don't ever get to the point where you think, well, yeah, I think I've got it all. 
no. <laughs> That's a really ugly place to be. Because there's always going to be more. There's always going to be more. We get the picture in heaven of the thousands upon thousands around the throne of God. And every kind time they come around the front, they just fall on their face because there's a new revelation of God. Hallelujah. Marvellous, beautiful, glorious. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you are the truth. And in a, in a world of, uh, that's all topsy-turvy, we can, we can stand strong in the knowledge of, of who you are and what your plan is because you've had a plan from before the foundation of this earth. And Lord, you're just working your plan. Father, I just thank you that we can be a part of, of what you're doing. Lord, we can be a part of the, of the um, great in-gathering that you, you say will happen uh, before you uh, wind all this up. Lord, we just, uh, we just thank you that, um, that we can be uh, instruments in your hand. But just, Father, just continue to, to by your Holy Spirit, continue to, to lead us and continue to prompt us, Lord, to press in to you and to know you so much more. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have, um, we're going to have communion this morning, so if you still need your little cup, there, sitting up the back. Thank you, Tim. start off by being super honest this morning and say I actually did not want to do the communion message and there were a couple of reasons one of them is that I get freaked out every time I'm up here (laughs) the other one was is that over the last couple of weeks I'd allowed life to carry me away from the father's heart And I felt like I'd be a hypocrite if I got up here. This most sacred moment. And I don't want to be a hypocrite. And then in that, God so spoke to me. And he said, But Daniel, if you placed yourself at the cross, And I knew that, you know, just one turn and he's right there. But for some reason there was a blockage. And I realized it was, it was shame and condemnation. But, but at the cross, can shame and condemnation stand? Can anything that is operating in our lives stand? No, it can't. It has to flee. It cannot stand. When we place ourselves 
at the cross. So I just want to start off with a blessing. Just like we were saying, the word is the truth. And if we embrace that truth, then we embrace that word and what that actually physically means. So just a blessing to start with, which is Ephesians 1 and part of verse 2. It says, May God himself, the heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Ephesians 1 verse 7. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. Verse 8. His superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. That through coming to the blood, we are joined with Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 17. I pray that the Father of glory, that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation, to know him through the deepening intimacy with him. Ephesians 1, 19 to 20. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of the highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. So we have that authority in the blood. We have that authority through the cross. But it was a few scriptures back. So before the authority became the intimacy. It is coming to that place of laying our lives before him. Of trusting him. Of knowing that his word is true. That no matter what the enemy is trying to tell you, seduce you with, flatten you with, his word is true that we have the authority, that we have the victory, that his heart is for us. And he has made a way for us to be the closest we possibly can be through the cross. Ephesians 2 verse 5 to 6. Even though we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. If we could get a revelation, if I could get a revelation of this today, 
what it is to be co-seated with Christ, what it is to be on this earth, but at the same time in his kingdom, forever in the presence of God, where nothing else can stand, where we have full authority and full victory. How, the reality of that, how would our lives look if we really understood that? Lord, help us understand that. Give us a revelation. And I love this. Ephesians 2, verse 10. This is just because I love creative stuff. (laughs) We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each one of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works that we would do to fulfill it. There's just one more thing I want to read. So that's all been through the Passion Translation and this was uh, just one of those little excerpts from Brian Simmons who uh, wrote the Passion Translation. I hear him whisper, trust in me. You are no stranger to my heart. I carry you inside me as a mother carries a child in her womb. I am the one who nourishes your soul and gives life and breath to your body. When I see you, I see the delight of my heart and the child I cherish. The wounds of my hands will speak of me, of suffering love, and you are worth the price I paid. With my blood, you can rest in me and trust in me. Many times you struggle when you can rest in love. I am preparing you for glory. I am grooming you for great things. The struggles will not break you. They will bring you closer to me. Don't look upon the actions of those who are near you, but look upon the moving of my heart, the stirring of my spirit to bring you closer to me. Others will fail you and at times hurt you, but I can never forget you. Trust in me. I will flood you with light and glory. My mercy kiss will dissolve your pain. The words others have spoken to you will be forgotten and will bring every and I will bring everything within you into harmony. What has happened to you will make you more of a lover than that of that what is right and true. It was not meant to move you from me, but to pull your heart closer to the fire of love within. So with that, (laughs) let's take our elements. So thank you, Lord, for your body that was broken for us. Thank you, Father God, that through that brokenness, we can be as close as possible to you. Thank you, Lord God, that, that this is, even though it's a physical element, it is a spiritual 
food into our very beings this morning, that this changes our lives, that this nourishes us, that this is the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Let's take the bread. God just wants to breathe on us and that means we just need to be still over our lives that it never stops pouring and that we can always come to the cross thank you for the authority that is given to us through the blood of Christ and that just as we took the physical element of the bread that spiritually nourishes us we take the physical element of the blood that gives us the DNA of Christ within us, that gives us the authority and victory that raised him from the dead. Thank you, Lord. I didn't know what it meant until the proceedings of the morning and it came to me that the mentos represents knowing God and it's in the head, it's head knowledge and, and the coke is representing the heart and then uh, when the mentos is dropped into the coke there's a clear chemical reaction and it foams up and bubbles out and it is clear to everybody that something's changed and, and so too that happens with us when we drop that head knowledge down to here yeah it's a noticeable difference to people that we interact with yeah. 
I'll, I'll let you ponder that while I, I thought this up and get some messages happening. So we we start off our uh, week with uh, play group in the auditorium here, and um, yeah, that's at 9:30. I'm assuming Mal is doing something for parents out here on Monday for coffee or whatever it is. Um, Wednesday we get into it. We've got the prayer meeting in the church here. welcome come along good things happen and my notes say it's men's night but I'm assuming it's women's because we've done ours <laughs> so the prayer night starts at seven goes till eight and then the women's are on at eight o'clock Thursday we've got prayer meeting for the school and here in the William room that's just in there behind the coffee machine that's at nine o'clock in the morning and then Friday we've got uh, at 3.30 we've got the youth in here with Mal and the team. Apparently good things are happening there as well. Mm. So there's a couple of other little bits and pieces which my phone doesn't seem to want to do. Yep, yep. But, yeah, up, upcoming in Easter there's the Way of the Cross. It's a play put on by the different churches. I'm not sure if it's up here. It is. Yeah, so I believe registrations or whatever are all done and dusted, but I'm sure if you stick your hand up, they'll find somewhere for you to help. So it's always a worthwhile event. Yeah. And there was something else. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, next, Duke, there's dedications baby dedications they're always good but uh, yeah there's also a baptisms available if anyone in the room would uh, want to stick their hand up and be happy to be baptised that will also be facilitated if needed mm. and I believe that's the end of the notices uh, but yeah just one thing, if, if uh, any of you would require some prayer, altar is open at the end of this service, and yeah, we know that there's nothing too big or too small that God won't fix. Uh, yeah, so let's go into the afternoon, bless somebody, let's enjoy God.